Hello, deserving listeners. It's just me today. I thought I would talk about narcissistic parents because a patron emailed in and asked to talk about that, asked me to talk about that. So here we go. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I am a professor and a therapist. The patron wrote in and said, hi, Kirk. My daughter is currently in your program, so she shared your podcast with me, and now I'm hooked. And I've been a patron for a while now. I would like you to know, I would like you to do a show on narcissistic parents. Okay, so let's get into that. Well, first off, there are many definitions of narcissism that have been established over the years in the field of psychotherapy. Some people consider narcissism to be in the realm of a personality disorder, whereas others might say that it's a spectrum, that everyone is on a spectrum of narcissism. And at the extreme end, they have a personality disorder. Some people might say that all people are basically narcissistic because all people are, at at, at their core, self-interested. Versus other people might say that only a few people have narcissism. Some people in my field would say that narcissism is healthy, while other people would say that it's an unhealthy trait to have. Some people might say that it's a normal part of development. Ego psychology, it was basically based on this notion. It's a normal part of of your development that you are narcissistic when you're young, and if you get enough attention, then you learn not to be narcissistic in a nutshell, versus other people who don't consider it to be a normal part of development. So when we say the word narcissism in my field, it can really mean a lot of different things. So we just have to take that into account. The symptoms of narcissism are basically that the person needs a lot of attention. They have a superior attitude and they get upset or defensive when other people don't uphold their superior status. They will uh, require other people to really pay attention to them and give them a lot of praise and you know everything revolves around them and they have a hard time empathizing with other people. Now many people would say, oh yeah, narcissistic people, how terrible. How terrible of them to be narcissistic. They're just entitled, they're spoiled. It's really quite different than that because as with borderline or histrionic, the genesis of narcissism begins in early childhood as a result of mistreatment. Usually there's some narcissistic injury. As I was saying earlier, Many people believe that, and there's evidence that children, young children, you know, one, two, three years old, are inherently narcissistic. They think the world revolves around them. You know, if if you say to a two-year-old, look, I need you to sleep uh, for the night, because if you get up, you're going to disrupt my sleep, and that's going to make it hard for me to function tomorrow at work, which actually benefits you because I get to pay the bills. You say to, that to a two-year-old, and, and most healthy two-year-olds are going to care less, couldn't care less about what 
uh, you're saying. By the way, just that care less phrase, I sometimes mess that up. I sometimes say, you know, that person could care less. Well, that's actually a ridiculous way to put it because it's actually the opposite. You know, that they couldn't care less is the way I should be saying it. I don't know if any, no one's ever emailed me about that. So I assume that everyone's just being nice. So thank you for not bothering me. But I know that I sometimes make that mistake. So the two-year-old couldn't care less about what you're saying because the two-year-old is narcissistic. And you wouldn't call that two-year-old narcissistic. You would just say that two-year-old's being a two-year-old because it's developmentally normal and healthy for a two-year-old to be narcissistic and self-centered. If a two-year-old was super focused on your happiness, that's actually often an indication that something is going wrong. They should be focused on on themselves and they shouldn't be worrying about their parents. So, so narcissism is a normal phase. And when you're a child and you're denied the proper attachment and attention of that phase, then that's what constitutes a narcissistic wound. You need people to praise you. You draw a picture and you bring that picture to your dad and you need your dad to look at it and you need your dad to tell you how great you are, even though you're not great. (laughs) Because by any stretch of the imagination, the drawing is not a fine piece of art, but it needs to be fawned over as if it is a great piece of art. When you jump off of the playground and it's only one foot off the ground and you land on the ground without falling down. You need your parents to say, whoa, you're so good. When you run down the street at extremely slow speeds, you need your parents to say, oh my God, you're so fast. This is narcissism. You need praise. You, you, you're always craving someone to look at you and say how great you are. And that's just normal. That's, that's a normal phase. If you're denied that, if you're mistreated during that this time, or you're neglected, or you have a series of nannies that don't really care about you, and then they abandon you, and you have these attachment wounds, then you grow up always wondering if you're good enough of a human being, because that question was never answered when you were young. And you also lack a sense of who you are. Those who have listened to the podcast before know that I talk about this lack of self with regards to histrionic and borderline, but it's the same for narcissistic people. In their personality lies a gaping hole where they don't know who they are. And for those of you who do have a sense of self, it's hard to understand when you don't have a sense of self, but it's a thing, believe me. And so what these people do as a way of and it's terrifying when you don't have a sense of self. When you, when a narcissistic person looks at themselves or is forced to look at themselves and they see nothing, they don't see a person, they don't, they don't know who they are, they don't know what makes them tick, they don't know, they don't have, a, they don't have self-esteem, they are terrified of that because that's a terrifying thing. And for those of you who do have a sense of self, you'll never know what that's like is my guess. I I don't know what that's like, but I've talked with enough people who have been through it. And so what you do is you build up this defense of narcissism to protect yourself from that 
painful and terrifying knowledge that you don't have a self. And so you build up this false self on the outside, this one that you require other people to prop up. And you are very concerned minute by minute of upholding this facade. And if anybody makes you uh, look to yourself, it, you, you react out of pain and you get angry. Or if anybody threatens to shatter that facade, you feel that pain and you get angry. You're threatened by that. And so you grow up to be uh, abusive yourself or angry yourself or extremely defensive and you, people close to you will suffer as a result. Because imagine on a minute-by-minute basis needing other people to think that you're special when you're 40 years old. If you're two or three years old, it's, it's tolerable for the most part because, because you expect two- and three-year-olds to be that way. But imagine you're 40, and you come home from work, and you need your spouse to tell you how great you are and to tell you how special you are, and to tell you how superior you are to the rest of the people on the planet, how you would need that every hour on the hour. That's a tall order to ask, particularly from people who are close to you who have been hurt by you and know better than to think that you're awesome. So it's, it's, a, it's a very debilitating condition and one that really aggravates people around people. So having said all that, uh, I've seen a version of narcissism who, uh, among people who have never actually experienced attachment injury. They don't have a personality disorder. They just had parents who were frequently telling them how great they are. These people don't have low self-esteem just beyond that shell. They have a, shall we say, an overblown self-esteem. And because this narcissism isn't a a defense mechanism against the emptiness of a lack of self, and because they probably had good enough attachments growing up, they they actually respond to therapy much better, and they respond to corrections from the world much better. You know, they have a a partner who says, you know what, You, you come across like you're really stuck up and that you're really, you really have a big head. Well, someone who doesn't suffer from a narcissistic wound and has just been treated special their whole life has the personality foundation potentially to say, huh, maybe you're right. Maybe I do think I'm special and I should stop acting like I'm special. So there are two kinds of narcissistic presentations. One is is the pathological personality disorder, which is a defense against uh, a lack of self-esteem or a lack of even a self to have self-esteem. And the other form, which is being raised entitled, being raised to make uh, the person feel like they're special and that kind of thing. Okay. So now let's talk about narcissistic parents. But before we do that, let's take a break. Okay, we're back. If you haven't already, please become a patron of the podcast. You don't have to listen to commercials if you're a patron. You become a patron by going to patreon.com and you'll get access to our premium feed. 
Okay, narcissistic parents. Narcissistic personality disordered parents are very rough on children in general. Children themselves, they need a lot of love and attention, right? They need a lot of um, flexibility, shall we say. Well, narcissistic parents are too focused on their own defenses and too focused on themselves and lack empathy. They uh, therefore do not give children enough love and attention. Plus, these parents are often quite angry and abusive, often emotionally abusive, because they are frequently triggered into uh, facing the pain of their narcissistic wounds as children and uh, you know, will therefore become uh, angry and emotionally abusive to their children. You know, they might criticize. They're easily angered. They might not listen very well to their kids. Narcissistic people have trouble listening to other people because they're not, they don't care about other people's experience as much as they ought to. They, uh, narcissistic parents tend to see themselves as victims of their child's um, behavior. If a, if a child, for instance, does something rebellious, the narcissistic parent takes it very personally. Instead of, instead of thinking about it as, well, you know, my kid's going through a phase, the narcissistic parent will think of it as a personal attack and, and will be very hurt by that and will attack back as a result. Uh, narcissistic parents uh, will, you know, inevitably create uh, marital problems, marital distress, and then this leads to problems for the kids too. And as I talk about this, I should just point out, I'm talking about particular kinds of narcissistic parents. And so it really just depends on our definition and it's not all narcissistic parents. And some, some narcissistic personality disordered people through a lot of their own work and maybe through a lot of therapy have come to realize that they're narcissistic and do their best to account for it. So it's, it's, I'm really talking about, you know, more of the extreme cases and, and people who are not interested in facing themselves. So as a result of these problematic parenting practices, criticizing, getting angry, not listening well, not loving your child enough, the children might actually become narcissistic themselves. They, or some other personality disorder, like borderline or something. So these people, because they were mistreated in a similar way that their parents were, they develop a similar personality disorder. And, and, you know, this is partially genetic too. So they also have acquired some of the genetic predisposition, but more importantly, they've just been treated very badly and therefore have had narcissistic wounds themselves by their narcissistic parents and then therefore grew up to be narcissistic personality disorder themselves. There's also a syndrome in which children will through mimicry will act like their parents. So you can have borderline uh, kids of borderline parents or kids of narcissistic parents who will just by mimicking their parents will seemingly be uh, narcissistic, but in their soul, they're actually not narcissistic. They're just acting that way. Uh, I knew someone who had a borderline mother and she 
told me that she acted a lot like a borderline and thought a lot like a borderline person. But when she started thinking about it and changing the way she acted and the way she thought, she actually realized that she's not borderline. She was just doing it because she was copying her mother. So there's that kind of thing too. Children of narcissistic parents are often overly focused on other people because when you're a kid and you have a narcissistic parent, your entire well-being depends on knowing how to manage your narcissistic parent. You know, your, your narcissistic parent comes home from work and you need to be able to gauge how your parent is feeling at the time. You need to figure out what makes your parent tick. You need to figure out how to please your parent because if you don't and you fail at that, your parent will rage or will uh, put you through the ringer for a long time. And so children of, of narcissistic parents frequently are very good at reading other people because they spent their entire life trying to read their narcissistic parent. And what this does is it creates various different syndromes as, a, as, a, as an adult. You can be dependent on other people. You can be so focused on other people that you, you're never focused on yourself. You can be very controlling of other people because you need other people to conform to your hopes, and then that makes you feel safe. So there's a, there's a number of different things like that. Children of narcissistic parents can also become very perfectionistic because as children, they learn that if they're as close to perfect as possible, their narcissistic parents will not lay into them. Children of narcissistic parents can sometimes be very avoidant of attachment because when they're young, they look at their parents and they say, I can't depend on them. I have to depend on myself. So as an adult, I'm going to avoid attaching to other people. They could become avoidant of conflict. They can turn to substance abuse as a way of coping with the pain of what they went through as, as children. And so, as you can see, the toll on children is really quite broad. Um, children of narcissistic parents might become very rigid and might become very dismissive of, of other people's feelings because they spent a lifetime as children. They spent their whole childhood life being concerned for someone's feelings and the child feels that that's unfair. And so they grow up and they just feel like they're done taking care of other people. So uh, there's a lot of effects that can happen to people. However, all of this damage, if I might be so bold to use that word, to children can be mitigated if the other parent or some other relative or an older sibling or somebody is nurturing and emotionally healthy and loving to this child. So you have a son who has a narcissistic mother. Well, if the father is a good enough father, the child can grow up relatively unscathed because the child can look to the father for support and validation and security of attachment. Or the son has an aunt or a grandmother or an older sister or something or a therapist for that matter, this, the effects can be attenuated by having at least someone they can depend on because then they can look at their narcissistic parent and say, oh, my narcissistic parent is a weird one. The rest of the world is actually a good place to be. And I can trust people if I just pick the right person to trust. 
Children of narcissistic parents, for this reason, will avoid going home. They might even run away from home. I've had children of narcissistic parents who will uh, will just run away from home, even though they're not rebellious kids. They just know that being home drives them crazy. And once they're 15, 16, 17, they get enough uh, gumption or courage to just to just skip town until they're 18 and then they don't have to go back home. But having said that, you know, sometimes a healthy family member can mitigate the problem. In my experience, if you have a narcissistic parent, the chance that the other parent is differentiated is pretty low. And the chance that other people in the family are differentiated is pretty low, but it can happen. The other thing I'll say is you can attenuate or heal these wounds for children of narcissistic parents in therapy. You have to do long-term therapy. It takes time. I've worked with children and teens and adults who have had narcissistic parents, and it just takes a lot of time to heal from that, a lot of validation, a lot of naming it calling it what it is, telling the client, you know, something like, well, I've never met your mom, but from your description, it sounds like narcissism to me. And my guess is, is that he was emotionally neglected as a young child and had to develop narcissism because he was not allowed to develop a, a sense of self and, a, and self-esteem. And he spent his whole life trying to trick himself and other people into believing that he did have a sense of self and that he did have worth. And that led him to be a tyrant in your house. And that's not your fault. That's your dad's fault or your dad's parents' fault. or It's, it's someone else's fault, but it's not your fault. And you went through a difficult thing. Be, the reason why this validation and naming is important is because a lot of children of narcissistic parents will think that there's something wrong with them or they'll think that the parents are normal. They'll think, well, that's just how parents are. But it's not normal. It's, it's uh, you know, relatively rare. True narcissism is, you know, one, two, three percent of the population. So it's a, it's a pretty rare problem for people. But a lot of the kids of narcissistic parents will find themselves in therapy because of the negative effects of having grown up in a household like that. All right, patron uh, and mother of a daughter in my program. I hope that uh, that answers your question. Let me know if it didn't. You can email us at contact at psychologyinseattle.com. Also, I want to announce, I think I've done this before, that we have a new Facebook group. It's called, I think it's called Psychology in Seattle Fans. Psychology in Seattle Fans, I think it's called. And it's a it's a group, uh, Facebook group thing. <laughs> I don't know how it works exactly, but it it means that you can post things and you can interact with every with all the other fans. It's it's a place where I may or may not even check into. I just want the fans because I know there's a lot of shared interests among the fans and I want the fans to have a place where they can interact freely without having to deal with me. So feel free to uh, talk crap about me <laughs> on the fan page because um, you know, I just want that to be a place f for all the fans. And um, 
It's being moderated, admined by famous patron Lyndon. And he is, he's a very active person on the internet. He's very smart. He knows a lot about psychology and has been extremely active with me on the podcast. And so he's a, he's a great captain of the ship, shall we say, Captain Lyndon, famous patron Lyndon. All right. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining me out there. Please take care of yourself and take care of your children because they all and you all deserve it. 